Welcome to this week in Skiza Athletics. I'm your co-host, Neil Minton, with me always, Mr. Rip Ripley. How are you, sir? Doing good, Neil. Doing good. And today with us, we have Northwood Academy's athletic director and baseball coach, Mr. Nat Stoner. Nat, how are you? I'm good, Neil. Yeah, good as well. Well, welcome to the show. So what Rip and I, we kind of talked, we kind of decided we're going to try to go around the state, different classifications, different schools, different areas, and uh, just kind of meet our ADs and coaches and try to introduce them to Skiza, to our to our listeners, and kind of just get different updates from around the state. So, Nat, um, like I said, well, I know, I've known Nat for a long time. We worked together at Colin Prep for about eight or nine years, I suppose, Nat. But um, how long have you been at Northwood now? This is year number five. So this is my fourth year as the AD. Um, but yeah, I came from Colleton Prep. We I worked there for 14 years. Um, yeah, I think with you, like I said, 10 years and then uh, came to Northwood and then became the AD four years ago. So this is year number four. Okay, cool. So you're obviously um, coaching baseball there as well. But can you give us a little update on what's going on in the low country? Yeah, low country. Um, baseball wise, it's kind of crazy. A lot of the teams that typically haven't been all that good are really good. Um, of course, in our region, it's uh, Northwood, Pinewood. First Baptist and Porter Goud and uh, Pinewood's really good. Jay Budden, he's their coach. He's got, you know, he's got it going on. They're, they're actually, he's, I, we played them this week. We're actually in a series with them and I talked to him, of course, and he's like, oh, you know, we're not very good. And, you know, and they've, they've lost some tough games to Lawrence Manning and Hammond and um, Hilton Head Prep, but they're really good. I think they're going to contend. I think they'll, they'll probably go pretty deep in the playoffs. He, it, now their JV team is, probably the best in the state they just smoked Hammond last week like eight to one they're they're killing people so I got that to look forward to um but they they lost five of their pitchers they had two studs last year that were really good and they're not back um they lost their actually five pitchers and so but they they keep it coming um first Baptist lost pretty much everything they lost all their pitchers so they're young like us they have mostly I think he said he had six eighth graders starting eighth and ninth grade. Wow. Um, so they're, they're kind of where we are right now. Uh, Porter Gow, of course, they're, they're pretty good. They have Cooper Holbrook. So um, they always have a chance. We always, you know, he's the Vanderbilt commit. Um, of course, his dad's the coach for COC and uh, his brother's at North Carolina, but um, he's, he's one of those kids that you just, you know, you know, oh, he's a Vanderbilt commit. And, you know, he's, he's a stud and you look at him, like, oh, okay, I don't, I think we can get him out. And then, we actually did strike him out one time last year and we thought we had, you know, won the world series. And so he, <laughs> hey, he, oh, he, he's not that good. And he, he looked back and he was like six for 13 with two home runs. And so you're making excuses. Like, well, yeah, that, that home run was only like 390 feet. It wasn't the big. <laughs> yeah. So. I, see, I think um, Tucker Toman from Hammond had a, a home run like that last week from a, yeah. a local school that uh, somebody said he wasn't as good as he was overrated. And then uh, he hits one out. I'm not sure he's landed yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those situations. And, and I've talked to Larry Sally, and that kid is an extremely hard worker, like all big D1 guys are. And uh, But you look at him, you're like, okay, well, we can easily get that guy. I mean, we're going to go right at him. And then you go right at him, and, you know, <laughs> it's oh, And out. also kind of in Rip, you said this um, in one of our podcasts, where, or not actually – Back when we were talking, our Neil and Will's Final Four, Skiza athletes, the girl from 
Porter Gowd, who's going to Texas. Now, this isn't like, yeah, she's playing D1. She's going to Texas. Like, this mm-hmm. kid isn't just going D1. He's going to Vanderbilt. You know, that's that's re- remarkable. You know, ridiculous. She's one of those girls that you, like, are concerned about your girl's safety. She just about broke one of our girls' faces a couple of years ago. I mean, she – it was like she – uh, she probably hit it 75 miles an hour, hit it right in the face. I was like, wow. So, so Matt, we were talking a couple weeks ago about Hilton Head Prep Baseball. I kind of had their stats. And if they beat Pinewood twice, and there I know they're in that flex region, you know, they, they they probably have a good chance to be competitive in, in the end. Am I right? They're unbelievable. Um, we played them three years ago, and they were 0-18. Well, we made them one and eighteen after that game, <laughs> but they were zero and eighteen. And then uh, they had a new coach, and he said he was having trouble even getting guys to come. Um, the year before that was kind of funny when Coach Green was there. He said he he had to suspend a kid. He's like, yeah, you know, we have a pretty strict policy. You know, if if you miss ten practices, we suspend you a game. I was like. 10 practice so he he had that situation but the new guy i don't i'm sure they have new kids as well but they're unbelievable we played them last year and i thought they were the best team we played and including lawrence manning and some of the others we played cardinal newman um i was like those guys are awesome and yeah so they're still good and and they did beat pinewood um, I think Pinewood lost three games on in the last on the last inning, last out. Wow. So, you know, they've had a little bit of a rough stretch. But, yeah, Hilton Head Prep is really good. Okay, so you're down there in baseball, you're like Hilton Head Prep and Pinewood are, are going to be you know, playoff teams that you kind of look out for. What about softball? Do you know any – I know you don't coach softball, but um, any softball teams around there stand out? Or even how about the lower classifications in baseball? Well – for softball, it, it's kind of disappointing how many teams there are in softball. There's not many. I mean, last year we made the playoffs because I think there was only eight teams in 3A. Um, so we don't, we're the only team in our conference. First Baptist usually tries to have a team, but they haven't in the last, well, since I've been here, so for five years. But I know, um, of course, Lawrence Manning is always awesome. Um, you guys are pretty good, uh, Florence. So, um, well, so, well, I don't, we I don't, I know St. John. Yeah. What's that? I know we talked about in, in 3A how, you know, our region with Wilson Hall and Lawrence Mann and those two teams and, and the Columbia's got a couple good teams. But, yeah, the low country and softball the last few years haven't been, like you said, haven't been consistent with fielding teams or having a standout team. Um, right. You know, Northwest has some good teams and Pinewoods has some good teams and from, from time to time. But, you know, how about on the, the smaller schools on the 1A and 2A down there? Um have you seen anything, any scores that have stood out to you? Well, I know we played Clarendon Hall. Um, our AD in the lower school, used to, he's an alum from Clarendon Hall, so he kind of got us the game, and I kind of penciled them in as, you know, maybe we're favored in that game. And they came – they were really good. For 1A, he said they were pretty good last year. I think they made it almost all the way. Maybe even we're in the state championship. I, I can't remember. But they were really good. They could hit it. They had – they had three good pitchers. I think Clarendon Hall is going to be a good 1A school. Um, Thomas Hayward is also another team. They they got a pitcher. I was talking to uh, Josh Craven, who's the coach now at Colton Prep, old, old sport. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he had played Thomas Hayward the week before, and they have some pitcher. He said was unbelievable. They, he struck out 14 guys. 
and I'd actually heard from about that pitcher as well from another another guy. So I think Thomas Hayward is going to be really good. Uh, Calder Prep's kind of down. Um, like I said, Clarendon Hall, and then I, I'm not real sure about like St. Paul's and or John Paul. I don't know about them yet, but I think um, I think those two schools are going to be pretty good for the one A. And he said St. John's Christian. You know, I was talking earlier. They got a pretty good squad into it. Yeah. Well, they had the kid that went to Bob Jones last year, a little lefty, who a lot of people said well, he he could beat Somerville, he could beat Kane Bay, he could beat anybody. And he, but he's gone. And then they got another lefty, I think, that's kind of like the uh, maybe not quite as good, but he he's also a stud. So yeah, they could be another team that would be a contender. Okay, good. Well, we appreciate you um, giving us a little update on Low Country, and we'll keep yeah. keep you on. Go ahead, Rip. I was going to ask, Coach, what with baseball, especially with the, the crossover, you know, a lot in skis it goes into, you know, those crossover games when it comes time for state seating purposes, those non-region games in 3A. Right. How hard is that with the pitching rules to manage? Like, how, how do y'all how do y'all manage that? Or I know every team probably has their own strategies, but have you found that as challenging? As far as just having the number of games? And well, just the importance that those non those non region three A games hold for state yeah. seating purposes, but then you've also got region games mixed in there too. Right. Well, for our region, it's a little bit different, especially for us. We have the three game series all in one week. Oh, so, so three games. Okay. Yeah. So we go three. I think we might be the only region that does that. I believe you're right. So you know, for me, I don't have enough pitching to put any other schools in there. So all my non-conference are at the beginning of the year. So we got to be ready to go at the beginning of the year and try to knock off like a Lawrence Manning or uh, maybe a Hammond, although we didn't play them or Hilton Head yeah. Prep when they're now not when they're not looking, I guess, or maybe when they had their basketball players playing. <laughs> um, so, um, but so it, it's a little different here. But yeah, I would think for the schools that only play twice, then that's you know unless you have five pitchers that you can throw out there, you kind of yeah. have, you have to really, uh, really be and I just see like, cause I've seen there are a couple of schools that, you know, in their region, you know, take a, a team like a Ben Lippin, you know, Ben Lippin's already picked up wins over Wilson Hall and Lawrence Manning in, in non-conference games. Yeah. And then when it comes region time, they may end up finishing, you know, third or fourth in the region. Right. But those non-region games can end up getting in the playoffs. So it, it's interesting. And just the pitching matchups, you know, you threw your ace on Tuesday, and then you've got someone else on Thursday. You know, it definitely brings a different element to that a little bit. I've been certainly in recent years. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really hard. And I talked to David Rankin from Lee Academy earlier this year. Um, you know, we're talking about a three-game week for baseball. Um, and in our region, um, let's say like this, we're in a Wilson Hall with you guys this week, Rip, in baseball. We play a Tuesday-Friday two-game series. Well, we did have a game last night against Lee Academy. And of course, you know, we got a big region game Tuesday and a big region game Friday. We're, we're not going to throw anybody Thursday, but Rankin was the same way. You know, he's the same way. He had a region game Tuesday and Friday. So you can call it that midweek game, kind of like college where you, you're not going to mm -hmm. see the aces, you know, yeah. and, um, but, but I think with the point you're trying to make rip is it's gotta be hard for skis athletic committee to see based on those, especially sure. in this sport, because yeah. you don't know who, who pitched, you know, you don't know who saw you know, if Robert right. Jordan's pitching, Florence Christian had a chance to win every game last year. But when he yeah. wasn't pitching, you know, obviously not as solid. So those midweek games versus a Carter Newman for us or whatever it might yeah. not be the best version of us, you know. And like you're right. saying, Ben Lippin might have stolen a win against Florence Man and Wilson Hall because they didn't have a region game that week or something. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, or even so, like looking at Wilson Hall, for example, again, you know, we swept Carter Newman, who preseason, you know, them and Hammond are two of the probably the top teams in the state. But then you drop a game to a Ben Lippin, you drop it. So it's just, I get, and baseball is more volatile that way anyway, I feel like, just because of who's pitching and who's hot and who's hitting and things yeah. like that. But it does make it harder for that seeding committee, I'm sure, when you include some of that. Yeah. Well, I will say just while we're kind of updating, I know in the PD area, um, PD Academy still, they're one loss. Their baseball team, um, they split with us. We had a, a two-game series last week. Um, we beat them two to one. It was their first loss of the year. It was still their only loss. They still hadn't only given up like three runs all year, I think. They turned around and beat us 6-1 on Friday. So, I think they're like 9-1. and one. Their softball team is like 14-1. and one. So, um, they're doing well up here. Williamsburg Academy 2A baseball, man, they're really good. So, yeah. um, you know, th- those two will be playing here soon. And I think that will be a, a big indicator of, you know, you know what's going on in the state championship as far as 2A goes. I think both, both of those, if not one of those, definitely will be involved somehow in that late in the playoffs in that area and PD Academy looks really strong in softball too. And I'm assuming Colin prep softball must be pretty good. Nat, you know anything about them down there? I haven't heard anything about them to be honest. Um, but I, I don't know. Can't I know they, they picked up a big one over Hammond last week. They came and played us and, and, and it was um, they, from what I've heard, they're, they're a pretty strong team to end this year in Colin prep. Yeah. So it should be, you know, we're in the middle of the season. We're in the middle of the spring right now. And, you know, I know for golf, we had a couple region matches, you know, when everybody plays in Trinity Collegiate is the top, you know, there's a, you know, they're the real deal from our area. I'm assuming Porter Gout is still probably really strong down there. Yeah, Porter Gout is really good. Um, you know, their scores are typically 160, 160s, 170. They're in our region as well. Um, you know, it's them and then it's us in Pinewood and First Baptist. And, you know, we actually, our golf team is been pretty good we have an eighth grader who might be i know when he was in sixth grade uh jamin sanders kid's name and um he was in that probably the top 200 in the world um he's, wow. he's typically about 40 39 40 as an eighth grader um even last year he shot a 39 as a seventh grader his sister is a sixth grader she shot a 43 from the men's tees last week so wow. Um, it's usually us and Pinewood are, you know, right in that 75 to 180 range. And then First Baptist is uh, a little bit below that. But yeah, Porter Gal is always really good. Yeah. Well, and then, in our first region meet, Trinity fired at 149. So that's, um, that's pretty, there. yeah, that's pretty, yeah. pretty sporty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where they are. So that's, um, you know, get a little update there. Now, I do have a little update for some soccer. Um, I, and I could not tell you where I got this information or from a website, but I did see it and I screenshotted it and it has some little soccer rankings. So this might've been from last week. So a lot of things could change. And once again, if you want to help us on this, get on the skis of scoreboard and news on our Facebook page, and that would update, you know, everybody, including us, so we can kind of get that content out. But in two, a girls it has Hilton head prep rank one, Northside Christian ranked two and Hilton Head Christian ranked three and not seeing any single A, two A soccer, that still makes sense to me. I can, I can yeah. go with those three. <laughs> you know, it just, that, that makes sense. And in 3A girls, it has Pinewood Prep ranked one, Hammond two, and Carter Newman three. Once again, sure, I'll go with that. That makes sense yeah. to me as well. Um, on, the, you know, on the boys' side, it has actually, in 1A, 2A boys, it has John Paul one, Oak Brook Prep 2, Buford Academy 3, followed by Hilton Head Christian and Spartanburg Christian as the top five. And in 3A boys, it has Carter Newman 1, 
Pinewood Prep two, Porter Gal three, then Lippin four, and Heathwood Hall five. And I think Heathwood actually, I just happened to see a score this week. I think Heathwood actually beat Hammond in a real close match, and that hadn't happened in a few years in yeah. soccer. So that was a big region win for them. So um, that's about all the soccer update and I'm capable of. <laughs> that uh, and that sounds about right. And I think for the for the our region slash Columbia region. Um, I know that win for Heathwood over Hammond was, I was surprised you didn't have Hammond on that list, but I think that Columbia region is certainly strong. I think that, um, you know, now Nat, do y'all have soccer? Do y'all play with the Portugal region or what do y'all do in soccer? No, we, we have played Portugal. We're in uh, Florence Christian and PD or not. PD, okay. uh, yeah. The, yeah, PD. yeah. Cause the, the soccer regions are based like football. So it's number of boys. Football, so. Correct. Yeah. Our region would be Orangeburg Prep, Marlboro, but they only have JVs this year, I think, or they don't okay. have soccer. So it's basically just us, PD, and Northwood. And we actually, in a, you know, to cap that off, Nat, I don't know if you're aware, so we came down there Tuesday, and you guys beat yeah. us two to one right. on a – we have a really good goalie. He plays basketball, football, and the ball was just rolling kind of medium speed and hit a divot and took a weird bounce and went over and yeah. was the winning goal right at the end of the game. Um, yeah, we lost a uh, playoff game in that exact same scenario two years ago. I hope it wasn't the same divot. Yeah. <laughs> no, this was uh, this was up in Spartanburg, so yeah. probably not the same divot. Yeah. But uh, it's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things, too, we talk about with our soccer coaches some is just the difference in, in fields, not just in conditions, obviously, but just even the size of fields. I mean, a, a foot, standard football field, is not the same size as a standard soccer field. So right. I think it's interesting, you know, some schools, you know, you just play on your football field, it's what you do. Some schools have space where you can go and play on a, a bigger field, a smaller field even. I mean, there's different variations. I know for us, we play a lot of our matches on Patriot Park here in Sumter, where there's a, a bunch of different fields. And kind of depending on which field you draw that day based on the card schedule, uh, can kind of, kind of change the game a little bit. We talked mm -hmm. to coach about that. Uh, you know, if you get rain, you might want to play on field five. Like last night, we played Pinewood Prep. We were 2-1 finish, actually, uh, which is really kind of a confidence booster for our guys. And I talked to some of the kids, I think we wanted the more wet field last night because it slowed Pinewood down a little bit. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think field conditions, it does play an interesting role in, in, in soccer. Well, um, Rip, while, you got, while you're there, why don't you tell us a little bit about track? And then we've got a couple other things we're going to try to discuss. Yeah. It's overall in season, and we'll call Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, track, you know, track's off to a, a, a kind of a rough start. We've had a lot of weather uh, through our first couple of weeks and, and a lot of meets uh, that have been canceled or or even maybe they've run the meet, but some of the teams weren't there. Um, you know, one thing with track and field that's interesting is, you know, in traditionally in track and field, you ran on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights was track and field night. And so you'd run every Wednesday of the season and you'd have the old pen and paper and you'd want to see every team and make sure you saw, you know, we want to make sure we go run against – Wilson Hall or Porter Gout or Heathwood Hall and, and see who they've got. Because um, in the newspaper, all you'd get was, you know, maybe a winner of an event and, and it took a lot more. Well, now you've got a website, Mile Split, or we call SC Runners. Um, and, and everything for the state meet qualifying has to be posted on that site. And, and unlike a, a football or a basketball where there's a lot of strategy involved, your time is your time. If, if you run a, a, a 10-4 in the 100, you run a 10-4 in the 100. And there's no – everything's automatic timing now. There's no coach got a little, got a little happy with the trigger finger. Um, <laughs> all the meets that the qualify for state have to be fully automatic timing systems, uh, which, which is a video capture system that you go back and you it, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty fun uh, to see. 
And so a lot of the mystery is taken out, but it's also great because you can track kids. And we've seen track explode in the past few years in speeds, in my opinion. Um, guys, the past couple of years, even as recent last year, you know, Prescott Jefferson over at, at Ben Lippin, who's running at 10-5 in the 100 and committing to South Carolina and, and able to go to these big meets that are now moving to the weekends. And we're able to compete on a statewide level. Um, you know, this coming weekend is Coaches Classic. Of, and, and this year, Coaches Classic in the past was this one massive meet. Now it's a bunch of regional meets where, you know, Porter Gatt will compete in one down in Charleston and we'll compete in one in Columbia and, and Heath will be there, Hamlet will be there. But, but we're able to see some skis athletes really show pretty well these meets. And so this weekend, actually, I say Coaches Classic's a big one um, that'll be this weekend to see kind of what some of our top level kids can do. I think the interesting thing with track at the 3A level is is the depth is still so important. There's a lot of really good athletes, but to win a state championship as a team, you got to have depth. And that's uh, where the Porter Gals and the Heathwoods, specifically the past few years, and, and we try to get there with them at, at Wilson Hall, have had a lot of success. And I think this year the normal names are up top, Heathwood Hammond on the boys' side. Um, you know, us and Porter Gout are, are kind of in that mix as well. The girls' side, Heathwood's got a tremendous team. Um, you know, Willis has a really strong team this year. He's got a couple girls that, um, you know, Madeline Gomez is running low fives in the mile. Um, she's running the two mile and low 11s, um, which is, which is really, really strong on a statewide level. Um, and they've got some depth. They've got a girl, Gabby David, long jumped 18, 10 and a half, uh, last week, which is one of the top nationally ranked time, you know, distances for long jump. Um, you know, to put that in perspective, she would rank probably the top eight for boys in the state right now uh, with long jump. And, and so, I mean, she is an incredible athlete. So I think Heathwood right now, early on in, in two, in three, excuse me, is the kind of the, the, in the driver's seat on boys and girls. I think, you know, Wilson Hall, Porter Gowd, Hammond, Ben Lippin are all kind of in that chase. And, and we just got to see where we can maneuver. The 2A, 1A, 2A level, I know um, uh, Orangeburg Prep, Thomas Sumter, uh, Palmetto Christian typically has a really strong team. And then up in the – Northern part of the state, uh, you know, Spartan Christian, Spartan Day will, will make some noise when it gets to that point of the year. So uh, still very early for track. We'll see a lot in the next couple of weeks if we can get some good weather, hopefully, and, and get some meets in. But uh, it, it's shaping up early to be a pretty exciting year for track and field. Well, um, well, thank you very much, both of y'all, for all your updates. Now, real quick before we go, we <laughs> just a question kind of came up with me, and I just want to bring you to. Um, scheduling can be a nightmare sometimes in the spring rescheduling is even worse um so it brought me to a question is is there ever a chance that skiza will go to a organizational wide spring break and what are your thoughts on that how much does that help us if 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 that were able to do do that so so i'll try it first so now when, when is y'all spring break in charleston ours is the second week in april we always tie it to easter Correct. We're, okay. we're, the, we're the same way. And I think that would be one thing I was going to bring up, you know, when you have Christian schools, we're, we're going to have it after Easter. Yeah. Every week, every year. And again, I don't think that's ever going to change. It's easy to try to, try to change it. And I think that kind of comes to one of the problems. Yeah. Right. Um, but I know a lot, a lot of schools I think are going on spring break next week. I, I know that some have tied to different trips that some are taking. Some of them do mission trips or things that they go out and, and, and participate in and go there. I know a lot of the Charleston schools, I think actually a lot of the Charleston schools fall into that category, if I'm not mistaken. Now I know Porter Gowd and then I think Heathwood and Ham and in Columbia have a little bit earlier spring break this year as well. Um, yeah, I, it's hard too, because some of it's tied to the local public school. Like I know for us, we try to match ours up with what the Sumter school district does 
uh, because we want, you know, kids to have the same spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept. Certainly would make scheduling easier because scheduling is difficult in the spring as is. I think that's um, true. I think a lot of times the different breaks, we try to match with our school districts that are around us. We don't have to, not necessarily, but you know, it does help, especially when, you know, some families may have one kid at one school and one at another or families yeah. working with the school district and kids going to private yeah. school or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it would help. And I mean, obviously we can't make everybody have it, but I was just thought it was an interesting point in prom. Sure. I mean, between proms and yes, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just makes it really, really tough, you know? <coughs> right. Well, here, here's the last, this could be the new hot topic. So um curious to see people's reaction on this. <coughs> we received an email and I say, we, I guess I can say athletic directors received an email. Um, and in five other States currently, there is seven on seven or six on six or eight on eight. I forget. I think it varies. Um, state championships given out to girls flag football. And we received the email looking into that this week. And um, I've talked to a couple of different people and got mixed responses. Um, Nat, why don't you start us off? What, what are your thoughts on when you saw that email? Well, well, like I said, uh, immediately I thought it was a, it would be cool because, you know, like powder puff, you know, it it always brings a lot of excitement to our girls and, you know, they'll reschedule everything just to be, be, (laughs) I think that would be a good thing. But then you think about, you know, I think the big question is, could you play it and play another sport at the same time? And I think if you're going to be competitive with flag football, then especially at being a new sport, there's a lot of things to learn if you're going to be competitive in it. So I don't think it's going to be something that you could be good at if you're playing two sports. Um, so I, I don't know. I immediately thought it would be cool, but then on the other hand, it's, it could really take away, I think from especially volleyball um, and maybe some of the other fall sports. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. I kind of, I kind of read it as it was not a fall sport or a winter sport, but a fall yeah. winter sport. And, you know, I personally, you know, and that's a whole nother debate whether you talk about schools, um, why why our city schools, what I call the city schools, aren't as good as softball as our rural schools necessarily, and why two A softball might be significantly overall more depth than three A. Yeah. Um, well, all these bigger schools who offer more sports, you know, you have less of your athletes, I guess, focused in on one sport. They're more spread out, mm-hmm. and um, and I I don't think right now the participation of the girl athletes that we have i would have enough athletes to be able to sustain um a a football team that's separate from my volleyball or girls basketball team and especially 1a and 2a teams will have more trouble with those kind of things so so my my understanding of scheduling you mentioned a fall winter sport is is something the way it was put to me was between volleyball and basketball and i said you mean in like the week between (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, volleyball kind of ends the end of October and basketball obviously, you know, kicks off to be that first Monday of November. And, and it was almost like a, you know, well, football goes technically until the third week of November. So there are football boys teams that don't get their guys to practice for basketball until the third week of November, which is very true. But that's only, you know, a handful of teams that make it that far. Some teams start practice November 1st. And, and I think one of the challenges is going to be for, for, and like Neil, obviously for you as a girls basketball coach, I mean, you're going to have girls, like you say, if this is all, if this does become something that's offered, kids are going to want to do it. It's going to be new. It's going to be fun. It's going to be 
exciting to get to go play football. The one part is going to be, okay, well, how do you manage that with the start of basketball season? Technically, games haven't started, but does that push everything back in basketball, which then pushes more into spring, which is already kind of chaos when it gets to that point. And then the second point that – and Coach Glenn Rector and I were talking about yesterday, our AD here at Wilson Hall, is where are they going to play? Are we going to have the flag football team play on a, on a football field? you gotta, you got to play off football game Friday night, and, and you're going to be adding lines. Because I wouldn't imagine – I mean, traditionally, flag football is played on an 80-by-40 field in, in you know, Nurse of Federation rules. And are you going to add those lines to the field, which could be difficult? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before a big playoff Friday night football game. I think the, lo- the logistics of it could be tough. I know down in Florida, flag football is really big for girls, but it's at 5A and 6A public schools that have 5,000 kids in that school. Yeah, so it, was, it's a little yeah. bit different than what we have here in Ski. Yeah, and, and I did agree with that. Yes, f- football does have this footprint on America. You know, you can't say baseball's the, unfortunately, the America's pastime anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, f- football is is the sport that kind of rules. So I, I think you're right. People would be excited. I know, like you said, that we had Power Club, Matt and I were talking earlier. Um, at Colin Prep one year, we had two really good athletes, Laura Reynolds and Britton Carter. I mean, both phenomenal were athletes. And last play at Powder Puff, I think one of them tied their belt so they couldn't get the flags off. And the other one is sprinting across the field, going through blocks, like trying to tackle her in the end zone. You know, we get bloody-eyed ambulance comes. And it's right before homecoming, you know. Concussion protocol. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's no doubt these girls would get into it. And we've had some yeah. stuff here at our Powder Puff games. And, and would be good at it. I mean, I don't doubt that. I mean, I think we have some girls that would be very good at it. Um, but, however, I, I do think there's a lot of lot of logistics that would be really, mm-hmm. really tough to, um, you know, put in. And I think the field is a good point. Because when we go play Spartanburg Christian, which I love playing Spartanburg Christian. They're great people. And we play on the little upward field, like mm-hmm. this, the upward complex field. Yeah. And there's like a gazillion lines. And I almost get a flag every time I play there. Because I have no idea where I'm standing. I'm calling <laughs> the plays. I mean, I, I don't know where I'm at. Where's the, the guy's like, why aren't you in the coach's box? I'm like, I am. I'm like on the five yard line, you know, <laughs> I call that Stanley Gruber territory. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so the more line is the worse for me. That's just, I'm going yeah. to tell you that right now. But um, no, I mean, well, it's, it's interesting. It, it is yeah. interesting. And I think it, you know, it, it deserves conversation, but yeah, I, I can see the, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it brings up, and, and this could be discussion for a later date too, is, is kind of what you just mentioned is, there's a lot of opportunities for sports out there and what is the right balance in an athletic program based on what your current student body is to what you can and should offer. I mean, we get, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure y'all schools are similar where you'll get a pocket of kids that are really interested in a sport that maybe you don't offer. It might be, it might be bass fishing. It might be, you know, a a soccer or a lacrosse or a, um, you know, something that's up and coming. And, and how do we balance, you know, adding these opportunities but then not turning around and decimating other sports. I think Charleston, we talked about softball. You know, when I was at Porter Goud, we had a softball team and a softball program. And I think, but since then, but we didn't have any girls lacrosse. We didn't have, you know, our girls soccer team was, was good, but they had added that. And you can already see the numbers starting to dwindle a little bit away from softball. The track and field team was growing. And so now in the spring, you've got teams that require large rosters in multiple sports is it's going to make it hard to build a team now Porter Gow can sustain it because they've got one of the biggest student bodies in Skeezer. they've got you know, twice as many kids as us or y'all as any of us do but then when a kid comes to us and well why can't we don't like well yeah we can do it but you can go ahead and cancel the softball team and you can cancel the soccer program because we're not gonna have enough kids to do it. Yeah, right. and so it, it is an interesting balance and this does add to that as well no I think that's a good and I think that is some uh, topic we can talk about I, I will say this and I say it jokingly but 
you know, within my first two weeks of becoming AD this past year, I must have had seven different opportunities to start a new sport. You know, <laughs> yeah. that parents yeah. wanted, you know, to say, hey, what, you ever thought about this? I'm like, you know, and, and also I think, and I'm all for it, as many opportunities for our kids as possible. Yeah. However, you know, at what cost to the, not just financially, that's part of it too, but at what cost to the other programs? And on top of that, you know, if, if as an athletic director or a school, if you're going to start a new sport, I don't want to start a new sport that's going to die when your kid graduates or when the group of people who are in it are going right. to leave when the kids. <laughs> you know, you want to do something that's sustainable, that's going to add to mm-hmm. your overall athletic program experience, you know, and and for the long haul, you know. So, sure. yeah. Anyway, well, Nat, I appreciate you being on here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, good talking we'll, to you guys. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Good luck in baseball and, and for the rest of your sports down there. And just keep us – we'll, we'll, we'll get back with you up, get another update on the low country. Very good. Thank you, guys. I mean, Rip. Thank you, Nat. Anything else you want to add before we close out? No, I just – you know, I just give another encouragement to anybody out there that, that is interested in, in helping us spread some some good world skis. I mean, that's you know kind of our goal with this podcast again is to connect with some coaches and some ads around the state but also to kind of help promote our kids and you know for both of us that are that are you know a your full-time ad i'm assistant ad i'm we're both coaching different sports and it it can be hard to keep tabs on certain sports and we're certainly not trying to slight anybody in any way we just need the information i think the skiza facebook message board is a great way to give that information and, and get that out and get some conversations and, and, and have some follow-up conversations, keep it civil, keep it nice, but uh, you know, have some follow-up conversations on some of the topics that we talk about, but just, yeah, get us some information and let's get some more people on and let's continue to grow our league and, and celebrate our kids. Well, sounds good. That's a great point. I appreciate you being on and taking the time and um, yeah, if you want to join the conversation, hit us up, let us know, talk to us when you see us, um, get on the scoreboard news um, Facebook page on or Skis of Schoolborn News on Facebook page. And um, I guess we'll do it again next week. So everybody stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.